And thank you for listening to this episode of the Night Sky Podcast. My name is Billy Newman. And I'm Marina Hansen. And this week we're going to be talking about a few of the uh, upcoming sky watching events that are going to be occurring in the night sky above us for the fourth week of January and part of the first week of February too. Yeah, that'll be great. We've yeah. got the, the five planets all visible right now. I think that's uh, probably our focus. Yeah, it's everyone's focus. Anyone that's been like covering the sky watching stuff that's going on, everybody's talking about it because I, it's such a cool rare event. It's cool. It is a really cool rare event. I was uh, I was looking up some stuff for uh, for before the show, and every every site has stuff about it. Huffington Post has stuff. Yeah. National Geographic. Cool. I'm glad that it's being covered so much. I saw yeah. a ton of tweets about it, and I tried to post some stuff about it too. I looked a few things up on uh, the Sky and Telescope site. They always have a, a pretty good um, collection, or it's pretty good and and pretty secure. And safe information to trust about what's going on sky watching wise. Yeah, um, they're they're normally pretty accurate. Or there's, it's often it's difficult to be inaccurate. However, I'm often pretty inaccurate. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they're, they're they really do a good, good job. ones. Um, I like to get Yeah, ones. it's exciting right now. The the highlight right now is that the five planets are up and visible. We've had it for just about a week now officially. I think that uh, that Mercury would be visible in the morning sky. And Mercury yeah. is the one, like we've been talking about a little bit, is like the the wild card. It's the one that comes up last and will go first. Right. Because yeah. it's so fast. It's, it's so quick to go around the sun. And it is just now starting to be a lot more more visible. It's brighter. Yeah, this, this week is going to be the prime week um, for viewing of the five planets. And it's going to be really cool, too, because we're going to have the moon in it also as That's a crescent right. in the morning. It's um, going to be moving past all of them. Yeah. Throughout the week yeah. So February. you'll be able to see six of the uh the visible objects that are not stars in the sky all at one time and then the sun as it rises uh, a little later but yeah this week is the week that we're that the viewing of mercury is going to be the, the easiest to do and it's weird uh, i was looking at uh, the arc of mercury as it, as it kind of comes up into the orbit and its highest point in the sky is going to be february 5th and That's then after that i think it starts to drop back off it, it'll fade back out and it'll it'll it's slower than it was like in the, in the winter at the end of December when it had that really fast rise and set over like the course of two and a half weeks uh, in the night sky. Um, this one's going to be a little bit slower. And so Venus and Mercury are going to start drifting a little bit closer back toward the uh, the horizon line again, closer back toward the sun. But I think Mercury will get there first, maybe at the end of February. Yeah, maybe. It's... I, I, I don't know. There's a threshold there. I kind of had my note on about February 23rd. It would be the last date that you'd be able to see Mercury. But uh, I bet technically you could be able to observe it before then. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, that seems about right. I think it's roughly a month of time that we have that they're supposed yeah. to be all around and potentially visible. Yeah. But um, yeah, another cool thing about um, Mercury coming up, like you were saying, and it's going to be most visible around the 6th, it's also going to be closest to Venus then, and it's only going to be like five degrees apart. I think it's eight degrees apart right now. Oh, wow. Cool. But that's going to be the closest that they're going to be together during this time. Yeah, that's really cool. And that'll make it a lot easier to observe too, because yes. the difficult thing is you always kind of get lost out in the sea of it when you're trying to pinpoint Mercury it's in it. It's really hard to find Because it's such a small thing. And if there's not some 
other kind of large object to sort of anchor anchor yourself to first when you're trying to find it in the sky. It's kind of difficult to figure out where it's going to be if you just know it's somewhere out there before the horizon, <laughs> but you're not sure. Maybe it had set already. So that can be kind of tricky sometimes, especially in the morning twilight, because it's not all just dark sky. It's not all visible night sky. It's that kind of threshold in the morning. So you see a lot of that mist and haze that's on the horizon line. It's really difficult to tell if you can really see the clear sky behind it or if you're looking at smog or haze or dust or something. Yeah, it can be pretty difficult for viewing. Yeah, but this week will definitely be the best. I think it's going to be really cool to uh to try and do it we've been kind of stuck with uh cloudy weather every morning which has been kind of frustrating <laughs> i haven't seen mercury yet out of it i've seen all the other four um but it's going to be really cool this week is going to be the best one to do it it's in prime time now so i think from the uh from january 30th to february 5th is going to be the prime time to be able to view uh, mercury at its highest point in its arc as it does its morning ascension and then uh, i think like at the end of february it starts to set back down yeah, I think that's right. And then this week as well, we have the moon come in. So I think tonight, or tomorrow morning, I should say, the moon's going to be up by Jupiter. Yeah. And then I think tomorrow, the next day, it kind of drops back down toward Mars. Yes. And then into Saturn, and then kind of past uh, Mercury and Venus after that too. So I think like over the next three to four days, we're going to see the moon in the in the mix every morning too. Yeah, it'll be cool to watch it move past. Yeah, it will be really cool. I'm excited to uh, to try and observe it a little bit. I think it'll be um, it'll be a good thing to check out. Yeah, I want to take a, our telescope out sometime while the planets are, are all up. One of the cool things uh, that's happening right now, or with the planets being visible right now, is that yeah. um, Saturn is at uh, like a twenty six degree tilt edgewise. Oh, cool! Which means its rings are really visible right yeah. now if you have a telescope. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be really cool to check that out. And I think it's uh, like its brightest moons are pretty easy to see right now too. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I'd love to try and uh, try and do some stuff with uh, with Saturn. And Saturn's going to get a lot easier to do as the year gets a little bit further on, mm -hmm. and then moves into the part of the evening where we're able to observe it a little better, or yeah. where it's kind of twisted away from the morning horizon line and all the light that kind of comes with that. Right. And as soon as we're kind of shifted away from it, so that it rises when it comes up at opposition, which would probably be like, I, see, I guess like. Shoot, what would that be like? Probably end of May, I think, is when that part of the sky is going to start rising up around sunset. And I think, it, well, yeah. So this is the trick that I remember learning before is that Scorpio rises as Orion sets. They're like kind of opposite each other oh. in the horizon. And there's certain part of the mythology is that Orion's chasing, or I think, I think Orion is fighting Taurus, the bull, but Scorpio is chasing Orion. But, scary yeah but scorpio <laughs> orion's out of the way when scorpio rises sort of okay. thing and right now saturn is in scorpio that's and right. it's going to be staying there for the rest of the year and so when orion starts to set is when scorpio starts to rise in the evening sky so that'll be when oh. saturn will be in opposition to us and that's when if we went out at like midnight and did telescopes observations of saturn they would come out the clearest or the best for us because it'll be the darkest part of the sky and it'll be highest up in the sky too so we'll have the uh, the least of a, a long angle to try and look through it'll be less atmosphere for us to try and observe saturn through but it's really cool that you found out that they're at their tilt right now because it's like a cycle right yeah or i think it's like what is it like a it's part of saturn's 27 year orbit since it's had a tilt to us there's sometimes where the plane of the tilt is 
tilted toward us and other times where we'd kind of be edge on to it and we really right. wouldn't be able to see it as well. Yeah, there are definitely, there are times that you, it can barely be seen. Yeah, it's really strange how it's variable like that and how you kind of have to, or just thinking about it, it's kind of strange, but it's at its axis and uh, it's cool that we're going to be able to see it now. And I think it's like a, I don't know, I think it's maybe every seven years or so. Shoot, I should look that up again. Oh, I'm not yeah, sure I'm how, not sure how our relationship goes with it, but it's cool that we will be able to see it now. And yeah, we should definitely make, uh, make, yeah, we should try to see it. Make yeah, as many attempts as we can to out. get some observations of it. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, me too. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's really any easier or more special right now, this moment, but another yeah. cool, uh, observation that you can make with binoculars right now is, uh, the four largest moons of Jupiter. Ooh. They're supposed to be good for looking at right now. Yeah, that would be cool. Do you know do you know their names? Yeah, I, I think I remember. I them. Okay, so the four that you can see, these are the four that Galileo found with his telescope right, with his way telescope. back. Yeah. yeah, and this is kind of what proved the or just kind of what what followed to prove, you know, that he was kind of on the right track of understanding how solar systems are sort of how the bodies and solar systems were working against each other. But for Jupiter, the moons are, I think it's Ganymede, Callisto, Io, and Europa, Europa are the four that we, the four that we can see. And then there's tons more that are out there that are of smaller sizes. I think they right. were like, I think for the longest, or I think what was it, up through like the seventies, I had this old textbook from the sixties or seventies and it said that there were 16 moons. And then I had another textbook from the 1980s that said there were 72 moons. And then like another textbook from the two thousands that said there were more than a hundred moons, you know? So they kind of, so I think it's just, <laughs> just however far the threshold goes down that they're going to accept like how big of an object it is that they accept oh. as being a named moon. Probably right. just other astronomers trying to say that they have a name of a thing that's out there that they found and tracked. But, uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of moons that are in uh, the orbit of Jupiter there. I think Jupiter actually even has rings. They're really faint and they're not oh. as visible. A lot of the planets do. It's actually unusual for a planet to not have some type of ring. Much of the time, it's not as visible as what we see with Saturn because that's such a big rocky ring like mm -hmm. Uranus and Neptune, I think. Oh, wait, which one is it? I think they both have subtle rings, but I think they're like, difficult to see Interesting. but jupiter i think does have rings around it i think that's kind of where a lot of these larger bodies that are now being cataloged as moons are coming moons. from yeah but the big ones that we see when you look in any telescope really it's really cool in fact there's actually reports of i don't know if it's true or not but there's reports of before galileo seeing the moons in the telescope of natives seeing a moon around jupiter with the naked eye like, oh, really? There, yeah, there's old reports well before Galileo saying that there are four bodies that circled Jupiter. Oh, interesting. Yeah, really strange. So, I don't know, There's it's like thought that they saw it with the naked eye, or it's thought that they found some other way to see it. Wow. But, what uh, Do you know what region the those Indians were in? I'm not Did sure. I'm not sure. It might, it might just be a lie, too. <laughs> yeah, know. I guess so. <laughs> That'd be really interesting, though. I wonder, because there are... Like we see now, I mean, it's really different now with the yeah with all the buildings and cities that we have built up. But there are still areas now where you can go, and it's a lot darker, and there's a lot more that you can see. So yeah. I wonder if if maybe they were just in the right place. I've heard that time. if you have if you have impeccable vision, really, really, really good vision, and good night vision on top of that, you can see that there are 
move that there are observable dots around Jupiter. I don't know how you do it though. I don't have that good. <laughs> That'd a vision. be pretty incredible. <laughs> I know, just yeah. Look up into the sky by yourself yeah. and just see that. There's other reports too of like, uh, like I think like Sirius having uh, a, a, a being a double star. There was some tribe oh, in South really? America that that Sirius was a double star, and we didn't prove that until like the 1950s. Like we didn't oh, find out cool. that it was a double star until then. We were like, well, yeah, they're wrong because it's not a double star. And then we found out later, oh, but it is a double star. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't know for a long time. <laughs> so I think it's kind of in the same vein as that. But yeah, okay. those moons are really cool because you can see them really, and they're observable to anybody. And we should we should kind of follow up on it throughout the year. But uh, anybody that's that's in a position on the earth where they can see Jupiter at night can see those four moons up and it's cool. And it's a fun experiment that we should try and do is you can kind of track the motion. You can track their orbits as they circle around Jupiter. And that's where they sort of figured out the model that of the solar system, I think of what is it like a heliocentric solar system where like the sun is at the center and then there are earth earthly bodies outside of that that orbit right. the sun and then bodies that are moons that orbit those planets that sort of model i think was proven when galileo was able to observe these four planets or excuse me <laughs> i said this on the last podcast too i think i called the moon's planets but galileo was able to observe and track scientifically as the moons would orbit around the planet over a course of four or five days and so this was kind of his proof to sort of demonstrate that the bodies were orbiting another planet. And that's sort of what we were observing with our moon and that we were like Jupiter, another planet that had a moon. Jupiter was a moon and that we orbited both the sun. How cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that would be fun to do a little observation of. Yeah, I want to do some some stuff like that too. I've done it for a couple of days in a row, like where uh, we'd go ahead and uh, and look at like Jupiter over a couple of nights and you can see the moons kind of moving around. We should learn the order again. I know, I think, yeah, so I think the it was the order of the moons out. So oh, you can kind of okay. like look at Jupiter at the center and then remember sort of the, the sequence of the four orbits out. So uh, between like Ganymede, Callisto, mm-hmm. Io, and Europa. I think it might be that order, but I'm not sure. And uh, I think the other interesting thing, what is it like? Uh, I think it's Ganymede. I should look this up before I say it, but I think Ganymede is the moon that's the largest moon in the solar system. But it might be Callisto. I might have them mixed up. They're both really big. They're both, I think, just barely bigger than our moon in the sky. So the Earth's oh. moon is one of, almost the largest moon in the solar system. I think Titan is another really large moon. I think that's the largest moon around Saturn. And, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask whose moon that was. Yeah, yeah. Titan's Saturn. around Saturn. Um, and that's a really large one. That's a lot of gas, though. But I think... Uh, it's either Ganymede or Callisto are their largest moons um, in the solar system and they're around Jupiter. And then like Io is that really volcanic uh, lava covered moon. And then Europa is a really icy moon. That's the one that they say is covered in water, in oh, water right. ice. And that's the one where they postulate that like tidal friction from Jupiter being that it's so massive right next to the the, the planet or excuse me, the moon of Europa. The inside core of Europa is keeping water melted or water liquid and that they think that there's like a place for like life to be on Europa. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or they say it's like one of the, one of the only other places that has sort of a sustained amount of things. It would be an ecosystem for life. It's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. It's fun. I don't know. I don't don't think they have done too many really in-depth scientific explanations of, uh, 
of Europa so far. I think they maybe got a probe out there when they had, oh shoot, what was it? Was it Viking? They had one of them go out by, by Jupiter on a pass and get like a bunch of high-res photos and get uh, imagery of like the moons and stuff while they were out there. But it wasn't really as advanced as with the stuff that we have now, like the, the what was it? I, they just had that one like this last summer that cruised by Pluto. We just got our first oh, yeah. high resolution photographs of Pluto. I remember in high school in astronomy class, we had like a, a little white sphere to represent what Pluto looked like because we didn't have any maps of it. It's really strange. <laughs> a little white sphere. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really strange. But I was like, man, it's 2006 and we still have never even seen what Pluto looks like. There's still like a lot to discover out there. Yeah. It's really strange. <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's really cool um yeah we should definitely try and uh and look up and uh do some observations of those moons around jupiter yeah i'd like to yeah All this right. winter would be a good time for it too i think jupiter is now rising um i think even if we went out like right now we'd be able to see it i think it's just a little bit after nine o'clock ten o'clock on like the west coast or or in the evening sky right now at the end of january um, so we should be able to see Jupiter. That's probably what they were talking about is that Jupiter is now coming up uh, kind of near opposition or, or sort of mid or, you know, in, into the night a little yeah, bit while the sky dark. is going to be really dark and clear. And so we'll be able to uh, look up and make some uh, some better, sharper observations of it. I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, me too. This is a good time to be looking at things. Yeah. I was looking at, because uh, we talked about uh, on the last episode, we talked about that occultation of Aldebaran like when it when the moon covered up right. Aldebaran in the constellation of Taurus last week and so I think it happened the day after that we talked about it on the podcast and so I was out looking at it like when I was uh, I think it was like I don't know I was getting done with work and I was looking up I was making some observations of it it's really difficult though because it's like a almost a full moon and it's sort of just blocking out that whole section of the sky because right. it's so bright out so it's really not a spectacular thing to see it's not like an eclipse or something like that yeah. right? it really seems like it has a big effect on what you're able to observe you know while you're out there but uh but yeah it was really it was cool to see or it's, it's just interesting when you're able to observe like wow that whole star that i do know is there is just completely obfuscated right now yeah it's just totally covered up but yeah that's cool it's it's interesting that's like that right now yeah it's cool i think there's going to be another two or three occultations of aldebaran throughout the year it seems like aldebaran's the one that gets that gets occulted the most. I think it's, it's just right just in that right, path. Right, yeah, spot. but I think a couple of the other times are going to happen during the daytime. So it's going to be after uh, Taurus kind of passes out as a night sky. And so it really won't be something that would be a spectacular observation. Mm -hmm. But it was cool to see just a couple of days ago. I think of, I, I was remembering back to the time that uh, I think I watched the moon as a crescent or like really early on in the stage of the moon, like at the beginning of the month, pass over Mars. I think it was back in like 2007, 2008, maybe April or so, 2008. I remember going out in Corvallis and trying to watch it at uh -huh. the back window of the place I lived at. It was oh, cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. See it. Yeah, you okay. can just see the little red dot of Mars be just passed over and you just say, hey, whoa, there it goes. Whoa. It's cool because like the black part of the disc, the, the dark side of the moon is the first part to pass over it. So oh, you, just cool. see, you just see the star in the sky yeah, just kind of be eclipsed over, occulted. That would be cool to see. That seems like it'd be a little more of a yeah. spectacle. That's yeah, it cool. probably is. As a crescent, yeah, it does look a little bit more interesting. And it's just better. It's easier to observe the sky while, you know, all the pieces that are around it out there. Um, yeah. When it's not a full moon. It's just too bright. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see. 
So I think that wraps up just about everything for this episode of the Night Sky Podcast. Hopefully everybody gets to go out and make a good observation of the five planets and the moon up in the sky during this next week of the night sky, the morning sky, I should say. And uh, I guess for myself and on behalf of Marina Hansen, my name is Billy Newman. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Night Sky Podcast.